Hi, I'm Caroline, a yoga teacher with a special interest in menopause based in Edinburgh. And hi, I'm Dr. Claire, a GP with a special interest in the menopause based in North London. Together, we are the Menopause Sisters and we are here to guide and support you through your menopause journey. Hi, welcome. Welcome to the Menopause Sisters Yeah, with myself, Dr. Claire, and my sister, Caroline. And we are delighted today to welcome Cathy Abernathy onto the show. And we are very excited about this because Cathy has a really great extensive knowledge of, as a menopause specialist and she's regularly seen women who are perimenopausal and menopausal and, and, and advising them on all issues relating to their menopause health. She's also an independent prescriber and an immediate past chair of the British Menopause Society which is the professional society in the UK for healthcare practitioners. Cathy also regularly speaks to medics and other healthcare professionals and she's also interestingly the author of Menopause the one-stop guide a book for women which helps women make informed decisions about all aspects of their menopausal health and I know Caroline has got something to say about that but welcome Cathy thank you so much for joining us today on on the show we're really excited and really grateful for, for you coming on. Thank you very much for having me it's uh, very good to be here. Cathy yeah I am a big fan of your book I have to say it's just for me it just covers everything and I was really really pleased to see when I first got it you've got the two chapters particularly one around young menopause for women who do go through at a younger age and also for women who have, have had cancer as well because there's so many questions around that so I actually now take it to all my menopause yoga classes and have it out and say this is the book this is the book you need to get because actually it just covers everything and every question so uh, yeah just a huge shout out for your book I thought we would begin with actually the um, the Calms Lavender and Anxiety UK survey that they did on menopause and perimenopause women, there was a really interesting statistic there with 53% of the women they spoke to were unaware that anxiety is a symptom of the menopause. And I know Claire's talked many times about the patients she sees suffering with anxiety, but I just wondered why that is, again, such a taboo, such an enigma for women. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that, I have to say. Um, it reflects my clinical practice as well, like Claire. It's what women tell me when I see them in clinics and when I listen to them. Um, but what is surprising is that women will get these feelings of anxiety sometimes out of the blue. You know, they don't know where it's come from. They can't relate it to their hormones. And so they're not expecting it. You know, they don't expect it to happen in midlife when it's not happened before. And they don't appreciate that it's the hormonal changes which can actually be influencing that. So what happens when you start to get these feelings of anxiety? Well, you get more anxious, you get more worried because you start to worry that there's something seriously wrong with you. And you go around in this cycle where your anxiety never actually improves and you're not quite sure where to go. It's almost like a vicious circle, isn't it? I know we've spoken to various clients between us about this and it can start as such a small thing, that uncertainty of... I know I found a few years ago, I just wasn't as, as confident as driving at nighttime, for example. Um, something as little as that, where I've always loved to drive, I've always really enjoyed driving, and suddenly there was this uncertainty that crept out of almost nowhere. And it's how that grows, isn't it? It is, and that's a, a good example. And others that I've heard um, people talking about is not being able to travel by tube when they've been fine doing that all their life or not being able to drive on motorways when they've been fine driving on motorways, as well as a not driving at night is a, a typical one as well. And as you say, once you start to have one or two episodes like that, it starts to undermine your own confidence and you start to get a bit fearful um, as to whether it's going to happen again. Yeah, and I think that's 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 the sort of roller coaster of a ride, isn't it, of the menopause, is that you don't normally, and well, you don't, I, I think many women don't attribute anxiety as a symptom or certainly 
the whole host of psychological symptoms, but particularly anxiety as related to the menopause. I know that I've spoken to a woman today who was incredibly anxious and perimenopausal, as it turned out. And she just, you know, perimenopause wasn't on her radar. And I suppose, I guess that that we've got quite a lot of work to do, haven't we, to try and incorporate the psychological symptoms of the menopause out there and, and make sure that more women know but actually, women more than men are likely to suffer anxiety. And, and Carol and I was talking about, we're talking about this before, and we're wondering, are more women likely to suffer anxiety? Are they more likely to be diagnosed with anxiety because they're more likely to go to their doctor than men? Or is there more to it? Um, and I wondered what the connection for you is between the menopause and anxiety, specifically, obviously, for women, because we're talking about that, that group of group of people you're right that you know people don't recognize anxiety and along with that goes the brain fog the uh, memory problems the, the concentration issues those are all things which creep up on you they don't necessarily start with flushes and sweats so you may not even realize that it's due to the menopause flushes and sweats most of us can recognize you start waking in the night you say yeah that's my hormones but you have those other symptoms the psychological symptoms or the emotional type symptoms and if you've not seen a change in your period yet and you've not yet started flushes and sweats, then how are you supposed to know that that is due to your hormones? And yes, you're right, women do um, experience anxiety a little bit more frequently than men. Do they access GPs a bit more? Maybe they do because they've got more points of access. You know, they're going for their contraception. They've taken their kids sometimes. They're doing other things that they're going to their GP for, whereas men tend to stay away from the GP practices. That's a whole different topic that we need to address another time. So, yes, maybe they are presenting more, but those hormones, as well as having the estrogen changes, they're affecting the serotonin levels in the brain. And it's the serotonin changing which seems to affect the moods. So that includes things like low mood, clinical depression type symptoms, not necessarily actual clinical depression, but that low mood, fluctuating mood. And alongside that comes the anxiety as well, because the neurotransmitters are just not functioning. They're not charging as effectively as they should. And that can be a direct response to the changing estrogen levels. And we know that estrogen levels fluctuate so widely in the perimenopause, um, sometimes months or even years before you see any change in your period. I often quote Dr. Lisa Moscone. She's got that lovely quote around the uh, around estrogen being the conductor of the brain, of the female brain. And actually, once we sort of understand that, there's an understanding of, of what you were just explaining, Cathy, you know, the neurotransmitters and everything just not quite firing in line, as it were, and as it used to be. And I think it's really hard because actually, as we come through perimenopause and menopause, we're often reaching a stage in our life for those that do reach that stage around midlife in their 40s and 50s where we feel perhaps okay with where we are um not always particularly i'm not so talking about happiness or where we are but we kind of know ourselves that understanding of well i know what i like to eat and i feel confident driving at night or i know how to to get there or do this there are certain elements to our lives that we feel confident in often and suddenly this uncertainty creeps in and as you say it can just begin to spiral quite a lot hrt is an obvious solution um can you maybe tell us a little bit more about how hrt can can help menopausal anxiety yeah so as well as improving the serotonin levels directly in the brain um, hrt will improve the fluctuating levels so it will flatten out the levels which are rising and, and and falling around the time of the perimenopause so if you go onto hrt you're not getting super high levels of estrogen but you're just getting enough to just keep you a little bit stable And that seems to settle the serotonin and the neurotransmitters, put them back to proper conductivity again so that it evens out a bit. It's not the answer for everyone. And some people will need other support as well as HRT. 
But if you're part, if your symptoms are part of a cluster, so your anxiety is not alone, you've also got brain fog, memory problems, maybe the odd flush, then it's quite likely that this is menopause related. So hormone replacement therapy is certainly one option. And it's joining up the dots as well, isn't it? As you were just saying, there's three or four symptoms there. It, it's more than one symptom often. And, and we're not always confident in joining up those dots. So somehow tracking what's happening for you, whether that's writing things down, we often talk about journaling or using an app to, to track your symptoms can be really, really helpful. Yeah, I think that's true. And also if you're in a relationship or a family situation where people can support you as well and, and help you to assess your progress as you're going through your perimenopause, I think that can really help too. And, and, and I was just wondering, you know, we, we wanted to come on to kind of alternative treatments and help and support in a moment but I'm just wondering why do you think it is that more women aren't accessing support for their anxiety I mean I know a lot of women do but I wondered why it seems it seems the menopause itself is still a bit of a taboo, a taboo subject but particularly menopausal anxiety and the psychological aspects of menopause are still very much taboo and I just wondered why you felt that might be the case. I think that sometimes women are fearful that they're going to be labelled. So they're going to be labelled as slightly neurotic or slightly anxious or depressed. And time and time again, I hear people saying to me, I'm not depressed, I'm not anxious, but I have these feelings of anxiety, which is not the same thing necessarily. Um, because other times of the month or other times of the day and night, I can be absolutely fine. And I just get these waves when I feel quite anxious for no apparent reason. So they're worried about seeking help because they don't want to be labelled. But secondly you know, they don't really know where to go for treatment. Do you go to your GP for treatment if you don't want HRT? Do you go to the local health store? And where on earth do you start on those shelves? It's very difficult to know where to go. So sometimes women just tend to hide away and actually not do very much at all. Yeah, and it's really understandable, isn't it? You mentioned there that just going to a health food shop. And I, I, I remember going into into one recently because I had a woman that had presented me with a whole host of their supplements that they were taking and I remember thinking well I'm just going to go in and see what's on offer and I was so befuddled by it all you know I'm a western medicine doctor but yet I had this array of menopausal supplements on a shelf for me I was like how do women choose how do women make that decision because we know that access to GPs is quite difficult so if they can't access their GP they're left with very little option and and that's where they they turn to how do you know what to choose how do you know how do you know what to do I think part of it is turning to reputable information sites so places that you know have been vetted and checked for their accuracy ask yourself as well is it in line with the evidence so for example we know from the um, calms and anxiety survey that there is evidence around calms lavender supplements and also other supplements which you might want to use not just for anxiety but is it a standardized dose? Has it been licensed for the use that it's being given for? If it's a herb, it will have a, a stamp of MHRA approval, the herbal medicines. If it's a supplement, it won't. That's a different category. But, you know, is it, is it, does it, does it do what it says on the packet? Is it licensed for that? And is it standardized dose? Um, and buy it from a reputable store as well. You know, go to somewhere which um, is European and UK approved. And it's worth mentioning there, if you are going to take supplements, whether they're herbal or natural remedies, it's and you, you're taking any other medication for underlying health conditions, you know, always to speak to your healthcare professional or GP, just to check any contraindications. Yes, and it's true, isn't it, that sometimes people think that because it's labelled as natural, it must be as safe. Um, but there are sometimes some very real interactions with some of these very strong herbs and, and uh, supplements. Yeah, they can be incredibly potent and, and, and work yeah. really well, but just not work very well with the medication you're already on. 
We were talking about herbal supplements and, and lavender as well, actually, and lavender oil. And it's, it's one of the few that has been proven to work. Um, and it's, it's one that I like to use in a diffuser. So you could use it as, a, as an oil in diffuser, but also obviously take, take a supplement. And it's interesting that Calms have created a, a, actually a capsule to take. I quite like the idea of that. Going back to herbal supplements and natural remedies, are there any other that you recommend as a practitioner that women try or take for anxiety? I think for anxiety, I do usually recommend the Calms Lavender Capsules. Um, I think the um, lavender sprays and the lavender oils are really nice as an aromatherapy type treatment and they can help you feel relaxed. Whereas the studies show that the capsules actually have a, an effect and um, a bit more physiological effect. Um, so that's what I would recommend for that. I think as well, we have to think about the therapeutic side. So for me as a nurse, that means looking at things like stress reduction, cognitive approach, relaxation, and just asking yourself, are there things that are triggering those feelings of anxiety? Um, and if you can preempt those feelings and preempt those actions, sometimes you can manage your anxiety very well that way too. There's a, there's a book that I'd read, Drop the Ball, last year. And actually, it was very much around letting a few things go. What can you take off your plate that is perhaps adding to the stress, which could also add to anxiety? Um, and making that list and just working out what is absolutely essential, you know, whether that's cooking dinner for the family one night a week, maybe there's an option to let that go, or there's something that's you're finding quite stressful at work and is, is creating some anxiety is there some is there a way you can have a conversation with your line manager or somebody within your team and just say actually I just need to step back here and, and take a little bit of, of time out or lessen the load I know you do speak to professionals and, and workplaces as such and, and companies and and go in and, and advise them is there anything in particular you take in or advise um, workplaces and companies to help support menopause women in the workplace? Yes, it's interesting. I mean, if we think that menopause is a taboo topic um, in the general population, and that is definitely improving, I think if there is any place where it's still taboo, it's at the workplace where uh, lots of people don't want to talk about it. And they may joke about the flushes and sweats. That might be quite open and you'll get groups of women having a laugh together about their flushes and sweats. Not that that's necessarily positive either, but that does happen. But the anxiety, those moods, um, changes, irritability, even tearfulness. Sometimes those things tend to get hidden at work. We feel as if we can't talk about them. We don't want to be honest about them um, to our peers and certainly not to our managers because we are concerned that it's going to affect our chance of promotion or to the work that we're doing and that we might be penalised. So sadly, surveys do show that it's easier sometimes to take time off work and go absent than it is to actually address the issue in the workplace. And I feel very strongly that we should be addressing it. So that means raising the conversation. It means companies and organisations actually putting it on their agenda, having menopause cafes or peer support groups, things where people can access the help that they need, both informally, but also more formally. So some organisations now are putting in some excellent resources to tangibly help their um, female staff as well. As far as anxiety is concerned, I think it's really important because if you start to get anxious about your work, you start to doubt yourself. You start to wonder if you can really do this job that you've been doing for so long. What happens then? You either step down, you reduce your hours. Sometimes you don't go for that promotion that needs to be done. And we lose senior women in the workplace. And we're trying to maintain senior women, not lose them. Um, and that has personal ramifications because if you step out of your work or you step down, that has impact on your pension. 
And we know that men at the moment pay into their pensions much longer than women. Why should menopause be another penalty? I think that's really, it's really true, isn't it? Um, that women are giving up their jobs, you know, they, they reach this this peak of their career or, or they could be going further. And actually that loss of confidence is so overwhelming that rather than tackle what could be causing it, and for many women, they don't know what's causing it, but rather than tackle what could be causing it, they, they stop working. And, you know, actually, that's really sad. I, I, I met a woman recently who um, was a mental health nurse and had given up work 10 years prior to, to me seeing her because her main reasons were loss of confidence and anxiety. And with the menopause being talked about a lot more, she had come to realisation, actually, she was perimenopausal at the time. And and that just became a steamroller of events and she just couldn't carry on. But I, you know, obviously Caroline and I are very keen on on thinking about menopause holistically and trying to tackle it from all aspects rather than just a medicinal medicinal point of view. But so I, as a Western medicine doctor, was really keen to hear about the calms and the lavender oil because it's not something that I have ever come across. It's not something that I or when I asked my colleagues at work were really had really come across. So I wondered if you could tell us a bit more about calms and how lavender might help, because that's a really simple natural remedy that, that is open to everybody, presumably. Yes, it's a very low risk um, supplement. Most people can take it. There's very few people that couldn't use it if they wanted to. Um, and it's interesting because the companies have actually done their research on this. So it's not just an ad hoc, shall I take it or shan't I? It really has been widely researched um, as being safe and effective. And it's been even been compared with um, traditional medicines, if you like, antidepressant type medication, which is often given for anxiety. And in severe cases, it's true that you may well need a conventional medicine. But if you're experiencing quite mild anxiety and you want that natural approach, then when you're taking something like Calm's Lavender Supplements, you can you can be sure that it is a, a safe and effective supplement and it's certainly worth try. And in their study, 70% of women found it was improved or very much improved. So, you know, you couldn't really ask more more than that from a supplement. And the key, I think the key there, Cathy, as well, is that it's evidence-based. You know, we talk about evidence, evidence-based, obviously, when it comes to HRT, for example, when we, we're talking about the lavender oil as well. And there are other sort of herbal remedies that are, that are evidence-based to help other symptoms. Cognitive behavioural therapy is another possibility. We know yoga can really help and, and breath work. So there's a, a plethora or, a, you know, a connection there with lots of different approaches that can help women. And actually, it's just making sure the information is there for example in your book but also on reputable websites as well and we like to suggest that women try and arm themselves or do a little bit of reading or perhaps listening to podcasts like this show to find out as much as they can around what can actually help them because it doesn't have to be a one-size-fits-all fits all, and obviously it's not the nice guidelines state that every woman should be treated as an individual but there isn't just one thing that's going to necessarily relieve anxiety or other symptoms is there? No and it may well be actually as you go through the menopause I mean we talk about the menopause as being the last menstrual period it's a single event but actually the period menopause is much more of a journey it's a transition and that can last for months or even a few years for some women and it may be that you need one supplement at one stage and a different supplement at a different stage maybe you need hrt at one point so it really is addressing the symptoms that you've got and the most effective way of addressing them and i always say to those who are thinking of buying supplements 
you know, buy something which is evidence-based and, and buy something which has got something tangible in it. So it's a standardized supplement rather than something that's just got a lot of little things, but not really enough of anything tangible. I openly talk about starting HRT about uh, probably about six months ago now and uh, using the estrogen gel and, uh, and eutrogestin as the progesterone component as I as I still have a womb and I was quite amazed actually because I feel I'm a confident woman I feel quite happy with where I'm at I suppose in my life I'm, I'm 45 but actually what I noticed with taking HRT was a, a slow alleviation of a kind of low mood which I was completely unaware of actually I'm going to be really really honest it was almost like I got my spring back my kind mm. of that spring in my step and I know other women have talked to, about that as well and obviously as a yoga teacher I'm able to use my breath work and yoga practice to help me with that but we like to suggest that women have all the information so they can make that informed decision because as you say it isn't just one thing that's necessarily going to help you all the way through this journey yeah I'd agree with that I think what's really what's really important and what I've was highlighted hearing you speak, Kathy, is is that the idea that there's not a one size fits all in terms of any of the things we've discussed, but also B, that as your symptoms change, you're going to need to adapt your treatment. And I think this is where having either a general practitioner, if you're in the UK or primary care physician, or someone to talk to about your symptoms and being open about your symptoms is, and, and that other person being receptive to what you're saying is so important, isn't it? Because as your symptoms change, your needs will change. And that could be, like you say, that could be HRT for one woman it could be an alternative and there is so much out there that that's that can help I mean I was reading about some of the clinical trials for calms and I was amazed that the benefit could be you could feel the benefit in sort of as little as as 10 10 days to two weeks really for some of the symptoms anxiety and I guess for, for you that and as a practicing clinician that's also something that I, I imagine is you know you grasp you grab hold of as, as, as an evidence-based treatment for you, for the women that you see definitely and it's there in my armory if you like of options for, for people as they go through the menopause and for me as, as we've highlighted it's not a one-size-fits-all so you know give something a try try something else if necessary but go for those evidence-based treatments don't spend your money on things that have no evidence around them and and be be open be willing to try different things I think you mentioned as well about the fact that just sometimes just talking about your symptoms and having somebody who can really explain to you what's going on I think that is key and certainly at Pepe where we support people going through menopause through a digital app but using a nurse-led service we have found that menopause symptoms can be greatly reduced by simply support advice and information you know just empowering women to be able to make their own choices and um, reduces the severity of their symptoms even without necessarily taking anything and then they start taking things as well that we've recommended and they start to see rapid improvement. But, you know, when you're lost in this mix of perimenopause, firstly, you don't always recognize it. So it creeps up on you. Secondly, you start to get anxious about it. You know, what can I do? What's wrong with me? You don't know where to turn. There's so much bad advice on Google sometimes. Where do you turn? And then finally, if you do get help, especially if you've got a really supportive GP here in the UK, that is the best thing really because then you've got somebody who can actually take you through your menopause journey as you go through it. I'm really glad you brought up um, the Peppy app actually because I wanted to move on to that Cathy. You're Director of Menopause Services for the Peppy app aren't you? Could you tell us a little bit more about that because actually it's a, a fantastic tool for women to use if they want to find out a little bit more or ask some more questions. Yeah so Peppy's available through employers that's the first thing so it's provided free to women by their employers so you do need to be partnered with an employer who provides it and lots do now in the UK 
So what that means is that you then link up through the digital app with a practitioner. So for example, with me or with one of my team, and immediately you have one-to-one personal advice about your menopause. So you can message them whenever you like, Monday to Friday, nine till nine, the nurses are there to answer your questions. You can listen to a broadcast if you want about particular issues. So you might want to learn about sex and menopause. You might want to learn about HRT. You might want to learn about managing anxiety, for example. Um, And then there's a library of resources. So I've directed the library of resources. So our content is all evidence-based in line with NICE guidance. And anything that you learn or read or are told on the Pepe app is supported by NICE guidance. And for me, that's really important because I don't want to be giving out advice that's not accurate. So we will offer women um, advice about different supplements, HRT as well. And you can come back as often as you like and talk to us. That's what the Peppy app's all about. That's an incredible resource, isn't it, to have? Because like we say, it's it, many women feel so lost at this time in their lives and they don't know where to turn. And there is so much misinformation out there, not just online, but in the papers on a daily basis. And actually, you know, how do you know what to trust and not not trust? How do you know where your information? How do you know your evidence is in your your information is evidence based? So, having that access and that's that's through that's through certain employers, is it, Kathy? Yes, a whole mix of employers, and you know, we're proud to be able to say that we have some very um, highly paid staff with employers who have Pepe, but also we have um, retail stores where the staff are even on a minimum wage and they can still access um, Pepe. So it is a really good resource. And just to tell you what people say, I mean, someone said to us, I've learned more in two weeks than I have in two years trying to get through my menopause. You know, somebody else said it's like really is the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you really have opened up the opportunities for me. Somebody else said, my daughter said to me tonight that you've given me my mum back. Well, you know, what else can you ask? And time and time again, when we get these testimonials and, you know, Claire, you'll know that you get you get good news stories as a doctor and it's always lovely. But actually, your heart is still really warm when you hear these things, because that's what it's about at the end of the day, end of the day is actually helping women to get back to normal. That's all it is. Let's just get back to normal life. We um, we shared something on social media today, Cathy, didn't we? Um, Claire had uh, dropped me a quick text that we need to just debunk another myth. And I believe it was the myth, I'm trying to remember now, is that this is where my brain fog begins to set in, Cathy. It's always not very good. Um, and it was, it was around stopping HRT. And then if you stop HRT, you've got to go through the menopause again. Um, and it's one of those classic myths, isn't it? And trying to, I think, just rectify that myth you know we talk about menopause being a taboo but there are just as many myths around these concepts and ideas and thoughts and you're not sure where women have read them or heard of them and actually we spend a lot of time just trying to break down these myths as well yes i think that one today was um described as a second menopause wasn't it as if you were going to get a second menopause whereas in fact you know the hrt doesn't just give you a second menopause it doesn't just postpone the inevitable and that's a real myth we need to put to bed i was saying to a colleague the other day the more i learn about the menopause and it is a constant as, as GPs and, and as, as a clinician yourself Kathy you know that you're never you've ne- you're never going to stop learning you're always going to be on a journey of learning and learn more and then sometimes you feel like you're never going to know enough but actually you realize the immense I guess powerful position we are in as clinicians that is necessary to impart this knowledge because the more we know the more you understand how little women out there know and how important it is just to try 
and spread the word and, and know about this from an early age. You know, we're really good at talking about periods, starting your periods. We're, we're pretty good about prenatal and postnatal care, but actually we're rubbish about perimenopause. And that, you know, is improving. But more often than not, I think I'm approached by women who just had no idea and it's come as such a shock that they could be perimenopausal, particularly when we talk about myths and we talk about, you know, you can still be having your periods, but you could be perimenopausal or you could still be, you might not have a hot flush or a night sweat, but you could still be perimenopausal. How sort of from a clinical point of view, do you try and get that message across? I know you've written your book, which is amazing. And I know you kind of have a lot to do with um, seeing women in in clinic but you know is there other things that we can all be doing what can we be doing promoting i think we need to make it more of an everyday conversation don't we um you know it's a bit of a hidden topic um we need to be talking to our daughters about it we need to be talking to our sons about it we need to be talking to our partners whether they're male or female to talk about the menopause and if we think about men they do want to be involved in the discussions and there's some interesting work actually that shows that whilst men may not understand the symptoms in quite the same way because they're not necessarily going to go through it in the same way. They can definitely come alongside you and support you and be quite influential in the decision-making that you have because you trust your partner. So, you know, it's really useful there. And in workplaces, you know, anything that we put into place to support those going through the menopause um, will benefit everybody. You know, if a company puts in place flexible working or better air conditioning or anything to do with the menopause, you know, it will always benefit everyone. So, you know, it's a win-win situation. It's not just about doing it for the women. Um, it's for doing it for everyone, uh, doing it for humans. It affects everyone, doesn't it? And actually, I've got a, a brilliant story from just before Christmas. I was delivering some Christmas cards with my youngest son, who is nine, actually. And we bumped into a friend and she was telling us a story something that had happened and she stopped mid-sentence and had forgotten and um, what she was about to say so the classic sign of brain fog and my nine-year-old turned around thankfully knows her quite well and just said oh that's hilarious you must have menopause brain like my mum <laughs> <laughs> and um you know claire and i've I've got five boys between us and actually just as you as you say kathy we, we need to be talking about this to our daughters to our partners you know it needs to be an everyday conversation to make it sound normal because it is it's a, it's a normal process all women are going to go through and actually particularly for boys and men to have that conversation for them to have that understanding so they they can support those in their workplace they can support their partners their mums their aunts their sisters their daughters and make this an everyday word or term and an acknowledgement we were talking very much about benefits of different possibilities to help uh, menopausal symptoms and particularly anxiety but I also wanted to come on to your role as a teacher actually around menopause and as a guide because I know you do do menopause courses um, as an educational initiative for, for nurses and, and for others could you tell us just a little bit more about that and who you do them and provide them for? Yes I mean I've been described as a bit of a menopause fanatic really as far as education is concerned because I believe that every contact you have as a, a person who might experience menopause usually a woman every contact you have in the nhs that person should be aware of the menopause so whether you're having your eyes tested whether you're going to the dentist whether you're in hospital whether you're being looked after by a nurse they should have some understanding of the menopause and at the moment that's not quite the case we haven't got there yet but we're getting there we're working on it um, but what i can do 
is educate those who are going to be giving specific menopause advice. So I run courses particularly for nurses. So that's oncology nurses, cancer nurses, primary care nurses, those who work in GP practices, sexual health nurses who work in the sexual health and family planning clinics um, and occupational health nurses as well. So in workplaces. So my courses are aimed at nurses. We're all run by nurses. We're all British Menopause Society specialist nurses, practitioners, and we run those courses throughout the year. The British Menopause Society is slightly different. I was chair of the British Menopause Society for two years. They run multidisciplinary courses, so you can access those, whatever healthcare professional discipline that you are, and they have a wealth of materials. So if you are a healthcare practitioner listening here and you're not quite sure where to go, whatever degree of education you want, whether it's simple resources to download and read in your own time, or whether you want to go the full way and do the advanced menopause certificate, the BMS will have that for you. And that's something, Claire, you have have done as well, isn't it? Yeah. So that's something that I I undertook a few years ago and um, and decided to try and well, partly because obviously I was I was so in, interested in post reproductive health and I and I we could do mo- so much better at it. And and, and Kathy, you mentioned there sort of the courses and and study days. What sort of things? I mean, I guess you're t- you're teaching about the menopause, but what sort of things do you encompass in those in in those training days? What what do you talk about? Well, we start with the basics. So, what is the menopause physiologically? What's happening? And you'd be surprised sometimes how healthcare professionals have forgotten their basic physiology, why the menopause even occurs. So, we go over that. We re- remind ourselves of that. Then we think about the impact that menopause can have. So, we go through all the different types of symptoms that people might experience, including the obvious ones like flushes and sweats, but then the less obvious like anxiety low mood tearfulness irritability etc and we think about the way that they may present so if you have somebody presenting to you in a surgery whether you're a nurse or a gp how might that person present to you because they may not always well in fact they're very unlikely to come in and say i've got menopause you know they're going to come in and they're going to be tearful or they're going to appear depressed when they may not be depressed so outwardly what are they presenting but actually as a healthcare professional how do you assess that as being menopause We also teach about um, ruling out what we call red flags, you know, those things which may mean that there's something else wrong with you. So we talk to nurses and doctors about recognising other conditions that might be mislabeled as menopause. And then finally, we think about what are the treatment options? And that varies from over-the-counter products, therapeutic approaches, including things like acupuncture, over-the-counter supplements, cognitive behavioural therapy, dietary changes, lifestyle changes, exercise, all those things that you can do for yourself without any medical intervention at all. And then we do quite a lot on HRT because it's really important that if somebody presents at a healthcare professional to find out about treatment options, please make sure that they get good HRT advice. You know, they need to be there and able to make the choices that are right for them. And that includes understanding the ways that HRT are given. Yeah, and actually we, Carol and I have spoken before about how how to get that advice from your, your surgery, particularly here in the UK. If, if you're in the UK, you know, asking about if there's a menopause specialist or somebody within your practice that is is more clued up on the menopause and trying to book in with them and and being aware that you might need multiple appointments you might need more than one appointment to cover cover everything but just finding out if there's someone in in that surgery that you could go to because 
that's key, isn't it? Is having the continuity of care so that you feel confident who, in whoever you're seeing. Definitely. And certainly on the Peppy app, we have a whole um, article about getting the best from your GP consultation, because if you're well prepared and you start to understand that sometimes your opening sentence directs the GP in the direction that that consultation goes. So if you even just only prepare your opening sentence, um, you know, the consultation will go in the direction that you want. So being prepared for the, for the consultation, knowing why you're there, are you there just to get information? Are you there because you want a diagnosis or are you there because you want treatment? You know, help your GP, help to guide it the way that you want to go. If you've done loads of research around any of the supplements or HRT, then tell them that that's what you've done so that they can understand where you're sitting in terms of research. If you've done none at all, be honest and say, I don't know anything about this and be prepared to be directed to some good evidence-based resources that you can go away and have a look at. And sometimes it also means thinking beforehand about the options that you are open to. So are you open to HRT? Are you really looking for supplement type advice? And again, you're not going to get very long with your GP, but it can be really fruitful consultation if you just prepare for it well. And you mentioned nurses earlier. Obviously, you do a lot of training with nurses, but I always like to highlight that sometimes the nurses are the ones to start with, you know, and even speak to. And I've got wonderful practice nurses at my surgery here in Edinburgh, and they're just a wealth of information. And um, and each time I was going in just for other things, and they'd write down a website for me to check out around perimenopause and menopause. And so actually sometimes even speaking to a nurse to begin with can be really helpful, can't it? It certainly can. And I spend a lot of time encouraging nurses, particularly practice nurses, to pick up on the cues for those people who are dropping in hints about menopause but not actually brave enough to talk about it because they can be lifesavers. And I think it's really interesting, isn't it, that I had a conversation with a woman the other day who said to me, oh, I didn't want to bother you. I didn't want to take up your time. And breaking down that barrier of you're not bothering me, actually, this this is important. This is a conversation that needs to happen and that kind of barrier is really important to break down for women not to feel that they're bothering somebody and not to feel like they're a burden. Actually, this is if this is worrying you, even having that 10 minute phone consultation doesn't necessarily need to be a face to face. But having that start, beginning those conversations so that it can carry on is really important. I'd say really put your health first, really stop worrying about what your GP might be thinking or your healthcare provider might be thinking and and put yourself first. We're there for you, not the other way around. Yes, and you've highlighted another point there, actually, which has really come to the fore during the COVID generation, if you like, you know, the last 18 months, two years, which is I've seen a lot of people postponing asking for advice because they're so concerned that, you know, we see everything in the media about how busy GPs are and we don't want to be the one to be bothersome. But actually, your health is as important as theirs. So do make time for those appointments, as you say, because GPs are still there. Of course they are. They will still see you through, you know, through remote consultations. Mm-hmm. And I'm really reassured. I switched to um, telephone consultations very early in the COVID crisis. And it's hugely effective, hugely effective. So don't be put off if you're offered a telephone consultation rather than a face-to-face. Kathy, we're going to have to begin to wind up our, our conversation, actually. And I think we've already talked to you for a lot longer. But we like to sort of finish with perhaps some top tips or some advice and I'm just wondering if there's anything specifically you would draw women to or bring attention to or any anything that you would like to share with our listeners. I guess my top tips are are always to know your choices, know your options so don't feel that there are no options because when you're going through this time you sometimes feel as if you're on this spiral of despair and there's nowhere to go 
And I would say don't allow that to take over because there are always choices. And in menopause, there's loads of choices, you know, whether you're going to use lifestyle changes, supplements or HRT or a whole combination of all of them. So get to know your choices and make the choices that are right for you, sometimes with the help of a practitioner if you need it. Thank you so much, Cathy. And actually, a lot of information will be found on reputable websites. <laughs> so trying not to Google, I think, is is often a, an a, a, errors may be a harsh word, but often, you know, you go down a rabbit hole and, and, and find this kind of misinformation. So are there any websites you would recommend or direct women to? Yeah. So if you're a healthcare professional, I direct you to the British Menopause Society website. Um, if you're a, a, a person who's going to go through menopause, usually a woman, then I'd go to menopausematters.co.uk. And if you're one in the hundred women who goes into menopause under 40 then i suggest you look at the daisynetwork.org thank you so much for joining us and taking some time out of your schedule to chat around anxiety and, and the many elements of perimenopause and menopause